Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. The following segment is from the Off Day Debrief on the SB Nation NFL Show, where we're discussing your favorite team. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show to make sure you don't miss conversations like this one. All right, BLG, we have to get to maybe the, one of the most fun games of the entire week. The whole week was incredible. We had three game-winning touchdown passes this week in the final minute. And one of those came from Baker Mayfield in the Browns' 37-34 win over the Cincinnati Bengals. And we are very happy to be joined by Andy McNamara of Dogs by Nature. Andy, thank you very much. Oh, guys, pleasure to be here, especially after a Browns win. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get getting used to these victories, which is uh, few and far between the last few years. So this was a huge one coming on Sunday. Well, they're not few and far between this year. They seem to be in a very good spot. And I just want to start with Baker Mayfield because I don't think he's getting enough credit for what he did on Sunday. If another quarterback led five touchdown drives of 75 yards or more, ended with five touchdown passes, including the game winner, and was 22 of his last 23, where the only incompletion was a spike, they would be leading the world, the sports oh. media world. But because it's Baker Mayfield and people don't like him, he's not getting <laughs> enough love for that, Andy. Oh, imagine Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, five touchdowns. Oh, falling over themselves. But yeah, because Baker's got some swag, right? Because they're the Browns and people love love to dump on them when they're bad. Doesn't get the love. Well, five touchdowns. That was a franchise quarterback type of comeback and type of victory. A minute six left. No timeouts. And I'll be honest, uh, my confidence level wasn't that high considering we found out during the game, he was playing with a cracked rib, was 0 for 5 to start with an interception on his first pass for the second game in a row. Bake Show comes in, marches his team. That is it. And people, it's the Bengals. So what if it's the Bengals? You had it in division, come from behind, win with no timeouts. That's a franchise thing. That's that's something they're going to be playing forever. That, that was arguably, and I've talked to my contacts in Cleveland, you know, covering the team 20, 30 years, they said that was the best battle of Ohio that they can remember going back to the old Browns. Yeah, definitely awesome to see. Also, you know, praising Baker here, who looked great, uh, did it without Odo Beckham Jr., you know, getting hurt in this game, suffering a torn ACL out for the year. Andy, I wanted to ask you about the short-term and long-term impact of that injury. I thought it was an interesting comment from our enemy show here on the SB Nation NFL show feed, the Monday Football Monday podcast, uh, but an interesting point made by uh, our host there, Pete Sweeney. He mentioned that maybe the Browns could actually be better off just because of how uh, maybe they're not force feeding it to him. I want to get your thoughts on that. And then again, kind of just like the short term uh, impact of this injury. How do the Browns move forward th with this? And then maybe in the long term, too, in terms of where OBJ still fits here in Cleveland. Yeah. And first of all, like it's it's so easy for us in the media, of course, to like just treat the players as commodities. That's a terrible injury. You feel for the guy and his teammates, locker room guy energy guy right despite the production loved in that locker room so that sucks for obj it really does now 
What we look at, though, from a pure football perspective, when was Baker Mayfield at his best? This is rookie year. Now, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Teams haven't seen him before. You know, you have to get used to the game, whatever. But during that year, Baker Mayfield threw touchdowns to 10 different receivers, spread the ball around. Odell Beckham Jr. comes in, and it seems ridiculous to say you have a superstar talent like that, and that's a bad thing. In this type of offense, for this type of quarterback, at this point in his career, yes, it is. And so I think short-term for this year that the Browns, Baker Mayfield, they actually do better, especially until Nick Chubb comes back. Because what always has uh, just amazed me is Rashard Higgins, Hollywood Higgins, and Baker had chemistry going back to the rookie season. Last year fell out of favor with Freddie Kitchens for whatever reason. And he was seldom used this year because of got to get Odell his, his looks. And that was always an ongoing, almost exhausting process. Well, now there's no pressure to do that. He can tag anybody he wants. And Hollywood Higgins gets open some way, somehow, all the time. It just seems like that's what he does. And so now without Odell in the picture, you've got Jarvis. You elevate Higgins. You can pop in Donovan Peoples-Jones. Hello. Like, that was unbelievable. For a rookie, first three catches in the game, catches the game-winning touchdown. That guy looks like a stud and a steal where they got him in the draft. And then you mix in everybody else with the tight ends, which that Kevin Stefanski offense is supposed to be about that we haven't really seen too much this year, right? It's been a lot of the run, but not a lot of the tight end mixed in. Three touchdown passes to the TEs. That's really good. So I think we're what we should see is a more varied and broader offense from the Browns, where especially until Nick Chubb comes back, they'll still be working the run, obviously. Kareem Hunt looked great again, but also better ball distribution. And that's ultimately going to keep defenses on their toes more. Can I push back there a little bit? Because I feel like we say that a lot when a when a big star wide receiver goes down. Oh, well, now they don't have to force feed on the ball. But all the guys you talked about, Higgins, Landry, everybody, they're not as good as Odell Beckham Jr. Like, they're just not as good. And if they get good, then are they going to have to force the ball to Higgins and those guys? Like, I don't understand that argument that they'll be better off without Odell. I mean, he gets open more than Higgins does, right? What you would assume. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. No, no, it's a fair point because of talent alone, right? You look at the talent of Odell Beckham Jr. It's undeniable. He's a superstar. He's, he's, He's an unbelievable talent. But for different offenses, like if you put Odell Beckham Jr. on the Kansas City Chiefs, Seattle Seahawks, a real throw-first type of of team, an offense, I think he would excel. I don't think he's the best fit in this offense, which by its design, which goes back to the old Mike Shanahan, Denver Broncos offense, and evolution through Kevin Stefanski, he learned through Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan. It's run first, it's use the tight end, and it's to use the wide receivers. So in this offense, it just didn't seem to blend consistently. Now, we saw a couple times where it really did and it worked. That Dallas game, my goodness, guy showcased himself. But in this offense, and with Baker Mayfield going back to where he had the most success in his rookie year, he had the most success distributing the ball to multiple receivers and going from there. Andy, I want to take a big picture outlook here on the Browns. They're 5-2 and two as we stand here heading into week eight. Uh, they would be the sixth seed in the AFC playoff picture if the season were to end today. Uh, it's not, spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, I'm looking here. The Browns have a 62.4% chance to make the playoffs for, I don't know if you heard about this, but the first time since 2002. Uh, what is your confidence level in these Browns actually finally, for real, making the postseason? 
Well, it, it'll be nice when the Browns can make the playoffs for a couple of years and we can get back away from these. That's the first time since 1994 and Bill Belichick was uh, 10 years old. And Okay, I know, I know. They've been bad for a long time. I get it, okay? I know the quarterback. I've been to Cleveland every year since 2007. See the quarterback jersey list too, okay? That's 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 all great. This year, the path is definitely there for, make, to, for them to make the playoffs for real, especially if you get Nick Chubb back, if that knee's fully healed, comes back fresh legs, with Kareem Hunt, like him and Hunt as a one-two combo, that's unbelievable. This is the best tandem in football. So if you can get that going, plus this opportunity without Nick Chubb has forced Mayfield and, and Coach Stefanski to kind of see what works in the passing game when it comes to the receivers. And I really liked how they worked in the tight end. So by the time Chubb comes back and this team starts finding its identity, again, guys, we have to remember, first-year head coach, pandemic, no real training camp. This is all learning and evolving as we go. So the Browns schedule outside of the Pittsburgh and Ravens game that still remain, the second one, the second meeting of those two, have a pretty easy on-paper schedule. So I think the, the path is definitely there, very realistic to make the playoffs. At this point, with five wins, if they don't, you'd have to consider it a disappointment. Well, if they're going to make the playoffs, to me, Andy, their defense has to be better. They're allowing more than 30 points a game, fourth most in the entire league. You can't put that much stress on Baker in the offense. I thought this defense was going to be way better than it has been so far this year. What's going on? The defense is weird because they can make impactful plays in those takeaways, in those sacks, et cetera, where if the offense can deliver and score a touchdown off of it, you're in good shape. But at the same point, like you said, they're giving up a ton of points. And it's really just because you're thin at linebacker. You got Miles Garrett as the real playmaker. You don't really have, like, Vernon's not doing much on the other side. So it's really a case of you got to, I think for the Browns, you're not going to turn into this year a dominant defense, especially in the secondary. You, you're just not. So you have to have that bend, don't break mentality, which to a point they have done and it's when those turnovers happen when those sacks occur so it's a very strange look because you look at those numbers and like man they've given up what the third most passing yards in the nfl but they lead in takeaways so if the browns continue to take advantage of scoring touchdowns on those takeaways they're going to be serviceable it just obviously limits their ultimate upside about how deep they could go in the playoffs if they get there well, Andy, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. If, unless that's is anything more, I, I thought that was great. Great look at the Browns. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, anytime. Make sure you don't miss our next conversation by subscribing to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. 
Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.